Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. This sermon series is entitled Numa. We're starting a brand new series on the Holy Spirit this morning entitled Numa. Uh, Numa, for those of you that are not familiar with the word, it is a Greek word, and it's the Greek word translated into the English word spirit, which in the Bible refers to the third person of the Trinity. Um, Numa is where we get the word Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit from. How many of you have heard about the Holy Spirit before? Okay, most of you have heard about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the, the Greek word pneuma is actually used over 250 times to reference the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Okay? This word can also be translated as wind, breath, or a blast of air. And I actually preached this series on the Holy Spirit almost two years ago while we were still uh, meeting in the Upper West Side. And the reason I'm preaching it again is because the Holy Spirit is a core doctrine of our church. And I felt like uh, the place that our church was at, I needed to reteach this series, okay? Because the Holy Spirit is a staple of this church. It's one of the pillars of our church. It's one of the foundational uh, uh, principles and guiding forces of the Grace Place NYC. And so I don't re-preach messages or series very often. In fact, I think... This is the first time I've ever re-preached something in this church, uh, but, but, it, but this is a series that I will continue to preach throughout the life of our church because I believe that it is so important that we gain a biblical understanding of the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and who He is and how He functions. I think it's that important. And so uh, we're going to be uh, uh, doing a three or four part series on the Holy Spirit starting Today And so Jesus said this to his disciples right before he ascended back to heaven. He had already died. He had already resurrected, rose again. He had already, uh, he had already appeared to over 500 people after the resurrection, and he was about to ascend back to heaven. And this is what he said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, or pneuma, can we all say pneuma? has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And then this is the Apostle Peter preaching a sermon talking about the ministry of Jesus. This is after, uh, th this is after the day of Pentecost and the church had already been established. And this is the Apostle Peter during a sermon talking about the ministry of Jesus. This is how he described Jesus in Acts 10, 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Numa. Say it better than that. Numa. Numa. And with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. The Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood, mistaken, misinterpreted person in all of the Bible. Growing up, I was brought up in a church that rarely talked about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you can relate to me. I didn't really understand who or what the Holy Spirit was until I started attending a church at the age of 17 
where they actually talked about the Holy Spirit. They actually preached about the Holy Spirit. And it was, it was not until I started attending that church that I ever really had an understanding of the Holy Spirit. And it was at this point in my life that I started a journey that I'm still on trying to understand and get to know the Holy Spirit on a greater level. And depending on what kind of church tradition you were raised in, you probably have some preconceived ideas about the Holy Spirit. Um, did any of you grow up in a church tradition where you were kind of scared of the Holy Spirit? Anybody? I see one hand. So one of you. Uh, the, the people who said they were spirit-filled maybe did some things that were kind of out there, and your pastor kind of warned you to stay away from those spirit-filled, weird people. Uh, I grew up in a Baptist church from the time I can remember until 17 years old, and so uh, I, I would probably, growing up, I was in this camp where I, was, I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I was a little scared of the idea of the Holy Spirit because of what I've been what I was told about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that, that's kind of where I was at uh, growing up in church. Did any of you grow up in a church tradition that made everything about the Holy Spirit? Like they didn't talk about anything else in the Bible but the Holy Spirit? <laughs> where you felt like if you didn't speak in tongues, there was something deeply wrong with you? Where, you, where it felt like the goal wasn't discipleship or following Jesus, it was to get uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and it was to speak in tongues. That was what they made everything about. Did any of you grow up in a church that did some wacky, weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit? And now you're completely, maybe you're completely turned off about anything that has to do with the Holy Spirit? Is there any of you? No? Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's helpful. Now, maybe you grew up in a church tradition where the Spirit-filled folks, they had to wear long skirts and they were not allowed to wear makeup. Maybe that's your background. I see some hands where the Spirit-filled people couldn't watch TV or movies unless they were explicitly Christian, okay? Uh, what I would like to attempt to do this morning is to debunk some myths or negative preconceived ideas that we have concerning the Holy Spirit. What I would like to do this morning is to give us a balanced biblical view of, of the ministry and the function of the Holy Spirit. For some of you this morning, you might feel like you don't need to hear this because you've settled all of these issues in your heart a long time ago. And if that's you, here's what I'll say to you. That is great, but not everyone that comes to this church is at the same level in their spiritual lives. Some are a little further along in this area than others. And so we want everybody to be on the same page when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so even though these issues are settled in your heart, if you'll be open you may learn something new today, okay? So here's another one of the reasons why talking about the Holy Spirit is so important for us. I believe that the intimacy and depth of relationship we develop with God in our limited time here on earth will continue after we die and go to heaven, okay? In other words, I don't think the Bible teaches that once we get to heaven, we're going to have this cookie-cutter relationship with God that's the exact same as everybody else, okay? I believe that the relationship we develop with Jesus here on earth, the, the relationship we develop with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a continuation once we pass from this earth and we enter into eternity because the Bible talks about people receiving rewards for their earthly works here on earth. And so, and so you will receive rewards. So what you do here on earth actually matters, 
Okay? The Bible also talks about people being seated in places of honor when they get to heaven. Okay? And so the relationship you develop here with God will be a continuation once you enter into eternity. And so I want you to have a great relationship with God. I want you to have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want you to experience the fullness of everything you can experience that the Bible talks about in your relationship with God. But sadly, the Holy Spirit in many ways is the forgotten God, right? Many Christians miss out on the benefits of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit simply because of misconceptions about Him, or maybe you've never been taught about the Holy Spirit, so you don't really know. It's just kind of this thing. You know the Bible talks about it, but you've never been taught anything about it, so you're a little bit indifferent to it. You know, this, this whole idea about the Holy Spirit would be like if your employer were to, uh, you, you were to receive health benefits from your employer, and those health benefits included eye coverage, but you didn't know, okay, because you didn't read the fine print, nobody told you about it, and so you were going through life with fuzzy vision because you couldn't afford to, to pay for a new prescription, new contacts, or new eyeglasses out of pocket, so you're, you're functioning with an old prescription. All the while, you have those benefits that you can take advantage of, because, but because you don't know about them, you're not using them. That's what it's like when we know about the we, we know of the Holy Spirit, but we've never been taught about the Holy Spirit, so we're not functioning in the fullness of what we could function in when we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, if we want to receive the fullness of everything God has and wants for us, we have to dismantle our misconceptions and inherited prejudices about the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to be looking at five myths about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to attempt to debunk them, okay? Myth number one, the Holy Spirit is an it. You ever called the Holy Spirit an it? I have before. The Holy Spirit, it's not an it. Some people believe that the Holy Spirit is a force. They believe that He is some sort of power from God. I believe from Scripture we see that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a him, okay? He is a person. He is not an it, okay? So what's the difference between an it and a person? A, an it doesn't have life. A person does, right? When describing my car, you would say, it is a white SUV. When describing me, I hope you would say, he is a man, or if they were describing you, I would hope that people would say she is a woman because my car doesn't have life. It's an object, right? B, a person is distinct from an it because a person has a personality, okay? A personality is defined as the sum total of the physical, emotional, and social characteristics of an individual the organized pattern of behavioral characteristics of an individual. For example, the chair that you're sitting in right now, it does not have a personality, okay? It is pieces of wood connected to each other by metal, okay? You, on the other hand, you have a personality. Some of you are outgoing while others of you are introverted. 
Some of you are assertive while others are laid back. We could not say that this chair is an, it has an assertive personality. We could not say this chair over here, it's laid back. This chair over here, it's, it's got an A-type personality. While this chair over here, it tends to kind of get walked all over because it's, it's laid back and it's not very assertive. Because a chair is not a person, but you are a person with a personality. And then C, a person has a soul while an it does not have a soul. Okay? And a soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Okay? And we think with our minds, we desire with our wills, and we feel with our emotions. And every person can think, desire, and feel, and every person has the ability to communicate those thoughts, desires, and feelings. The Holy Spirit has a mind, the Holy Spirit has a will, and as I'm going to show you, the Holy Spirit also has emotions, okay? And the reason that this distinction about the Holy Spirit is important is because I believe that the primary job of the Holy Spirit is to help us think like God thinks, okay? 1 Corinthians 2 and 11 says this, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. You see, without the spirit of God, you can't know the motives of God, okay? And so, for example, when God asks you to make a financial sacrifice or to let go of an unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship, the Spirit of God will reveal to you His motives for challenging you in this area because He knows the thoughts of God because the Holy Spirit is God, okay? Another job of the Holy Spirit is to help us desire what God desires, Many of us take that scripture that says God will give me the desires of my heart out of context because the desires we have many times are contrary to God's word. And so as we pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is forming and shaping us into uh, more like Jesus and into the image of God, our desires will become his desires. And that's what the scripture is really talking about. Okay? Another job of the Holy Spirit is to help us to feel what God feels. Okay? And according to Scripture, if you're a believer, He, the Holy Spirit, is living inside of you. There is Scripture after Scripture in the New Testament that talks about if you're a believer, then the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. A force, okay? A force cannot help you do those things. Only a person can, okay? And the reason I started off by debunking this myth is that if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person with a personality, you won't ever pursue a personal relationship with Him, okay? And we'll continue to treat the Holy Spirit the way my wife treats pillows, okay? <laughs> let, me, let me explain that to you. Uh, a while back, I was on our bed, and I was laying on a pillow. I was laying my head on a pillow. And all of a sudden, my wife shows up like Captain Marvel out of nowhere, and she grabs that pillow and pulls it out from underneath me. And I'm, I said, Priscilla, what are you doing? And uh, she said, well, you can't lay your head on that pillow. And I'm like, why not? It's a pillow. That's what you do. And she said, because that pillow is 
decorative. It's a decorative pillow. It's just there for show. It's just there to look pretty. So she didn't let me use that pillow. In the same way, believers receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion, yet many of us have never tried to get to know him. We treat him like he's just there for show. And we don't have to. And so let's delve a little deeper into this idea that the Holy Spirit is a him and not an it. Okay? Number one, the Holy Spirit has a mind. If you're taking notes, write this down. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Verse 27, And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Did you know that the Holy Spirit makes decisions? Okay, you can't make decisions without a mind. Acts 20 and 28 says this, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He decided to make them overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The Holy Spirit appointed and qualified these elders to serve in the church at Ephesus. And did you know that the Holy Spirit had an opinion? Okay, you can't have an opinion without having a mind. Acts 15, starting with verse 28, for it seemed good, that's an opinion, to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. The Holy Spirit thought what, that what the leaders of the early church came up with concerning dietary laws for the Gentile believers was good. That's an opinion, right? So uh, the Holy Spirit not only has a mind, but he also has a will. Okay, the Holy Spirit has a will. Acts 16, 6, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Okay, the Holy Spirit's will was that Paul and Timothy do not preach the gospel in Asia at this point. Okay, there is scripture after scripture that I could show you where the Holy Spirit leads people to do certain things because it is His will to do those things. The Holy Spirit's will is to form and shape us into godly men and women who are used to bring God's kingdom down to this earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Number three, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Okay? The Holy Spirit has some feels. Okay? <laughs> Ephesians 4.30 says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, Grief, as you see here, is an emotion you have when you lose intimacy with someone. Okay, You grieve when you lose a close family member or friend because you don't get to experience life with them anymore. 
Some of you are experiencing grief today on Father's Day because maybe your father is no longer with you or maybe you had an absentee father or a father that did his best but wasn't there for you today. So while everybody else is celebrating their fathers on this day, maybe inside you are grieving. And if that's you today, I want you to know that my heart is with you and I pray God's comfort and peace over you today. And I say to you today that God's word says that that our heavenly father is a father to the fatherless, that he takes care of us like a father, that he protects us like a father, that he loves us like a father, that he disciplines us like a father. So I want you to know if you don't have a father today or if you didn't have a father, you have your heavenly father that loves you and cares for you deeply. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit because it causes us to lose intimacy with God. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we walk in the desires of our flesh because the Holy Spirit ultimately wants what's best for us and wants what's most fulfilling for us. Myth number two about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you do weird things. The Holy Spirit makes you do weird things. A lot, a lot, a lot of people are creeped out about anything concerning the Holy Spirit because their only reference point for Him is what they've heard or what they've seen other people do in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I'll be the first to admit, okay, that I've seen some people do some really weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. But I've also seen some people do some weird, really, really weird things in the name of their favorite sports team. Okay? Is it just me or is it weird for somebody to be shirtless and stand in a stadium where it is five degrees below zero and cheer and scream for three hours without a shirt because of their love for... Is it just me or is that weird? Okay, I've seen a lot of people do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit, but I've also seen people do some very weird things in the name of their favorite movie. Okay, I've gone to a superhero movie where everybody came to that movie dressed up in a costume of their favorite superhero. And these are grown adults. I don't know about you, but that is... Weird to me. I was literally the only person that did not have a costume on that day. Okay? (laughs) Um, My point is that people don't stop going to sporting events or movies because people are acting wacky. Yet so many people don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit because they've seen someone else act weird or wacky in the name of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I was in a service. I was in a service at church one time during uh, Bible school, and Priscilla was there. And the preacher, he, for whatever reason, he didn't get it from Scripture, but he would call the presence of the Holy Spirit the yum yum. <laughs> he would call it the yum yum anointing. Okay, and he literally made one of my classmates stand up. Priscilla can testify to this, and he made him act like he was gulping down the yum yum. Okay, and it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming into his life. And so my classmate, my friend was up here in front of the entire congregation going, go, go, making those noises. Okay, I have seen some weird, wacky things in the name of the Holy Spirit. But personally, 
I think weird people do weird things, okay? Not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you do weird things. Weird people do weird things. And so if you, were, if you are already weird, when you get the Holy Spirit, you're going to do weird things and you're going to blame the Holy Spirit, okay? And so if you're weird, you're going to be weird as a banker. You're going to be weird as a cashier. Uh, you're going to be weird as a grocery bagger. Uh, you're going to be weird as an athlete, okay? You're going to be weird as whatever, including a spirit-filled believer, and I think this is worth mentioning as well. What's your definition of weird? Would being led of the Holy Spirit to marry a prostitute be weird? Because God told Hosea, the prophet in the Old Testament, to marry a prostitute. Would God telling you to preach on the streets completely butt naked be weird? Because God told the prophet Isaiah to preach in the streets butt naked, and he did it for three years. Now, you better be sure it's the Holy Spirit if you're going to do it. I don't recommend it. You might get arrested in today's world. But God asked the prophet Isaiah to do that. Would me touching a handkerchief or apron and you taking those items back to loved ones who are sick or oppressed by the devil, and when they touch that, that, uh, that handkerchief or that apron and they get healed, would that be weird? Because, because God did those type of extraordinary miracles in the life of the apostle Peter in the New Testament. God may do some things from time to time in our lives that defy our logic because He is God. And His ways are higher than our ways. Okay, And so let's be careful not to put Him in a box because what He's doing is outside of our comfort zone of what we're used to. Okay, Myth number three, the Holy Spirit is on the JV squad while God the Father and God the Son are on the varsity squad, okay? You ever viewed the Holy Spirit this way, like Jesus and God is up here, but the Holy Spirit's somewhere down here? He's cool, but he's not at that level. And the reason I think people view the Holy Spirit like the junior varsity player and God the Father and God the Son as the varsity team's player is because it is easy to relate to a father or a son, okay? All of us have had a father, or most of us have had a father in our life, and all of us have been a son or daughter to someone. And so because of that, we can relate to a father and a son, so it's easier to connect, okay? But the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost sounds spooky or sounds like something you would dress up for on Halloween, and so we kind of stay away from that, or we kind of stay say, you know, I know the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, but... I don't know. I don't know about that. The Father, I can understand. Jesus, I can totally understand. But the Holy Spirit, I don't fully understand. But what you and I need to realize is that the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and Jesus. We serve a triune God, three persons in one. Okay? It's a mystery, but it's the, the reality. Okay, Acts 5, 3 and 4 says this. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Verse 4, the property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. Peter equated Ananias lying to the Holy Spirit in verse 3 
to lying to God in verse 4, okay? In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says this during his commission to the disciples. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Bible says that during Jesus' water baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and the Father spoke a word of approval over His Son. The pattern here is Father, Son, Spirit. One, yet three, working together side by side. All right, myth number four. The Holy Spirit isn't for us today. You ever heard anybody say that? The Holy Spirit isn't for us today. Some people believe that the Holy Spirit does not speak to us today. That, that God only speaks to us through His Word. And anything outside of His Word is, is, is not true. We're deceived. We're, we're mistaken. There are some prominent preachers who teach this, and it's very harmful to the body of Christ. Because if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, like Paul teaches us, how is it that he can't speak to me anymore? If he's living inside of me, why can't he speak to me? Okay. In Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip to join a eunuch in his chariot, which resulted in Philip leading this man to Christ and water baptizing him on the side of the road. Okay. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. Go witness to that person. He witnesses to that person. That guy gets saved, and they find a body of water on the side of the road, and they just said, let me dunk you right here and right now. Okay? He didn't wait for next steps. He didn't wait for a baptism class. They found a body of water, and they dunked him right then and there. Amen? This past Wednesday, we, we, we hosted two teams, uh, missions teams from Texas, and we did outreach, and we passed out thousands and thousands of flyers. And this past Wednesday was the last day for the Grace Place team here before they flew out. Freedom Life had already flown out. And we were going from business to business asking them if we could leave a stack of flyers in their business. And so while we were doing that, this man stopped us and, and, uh, and, and we started talking. And uh, he asked us what we were doing. So we let him know. And he said, were you, the, were you the guys that were playing music on Broadway? And we're like, yes, that was us. We, we, you know, we had our... We had some people with some instruments playing music, and we were singing worship songs and all of those things. So, and so we started getting into a conversation with them. And as I, it was three of us guys there talking to him. And as I was talking to him, I just happened to ask him what he was doing today, just trying to make conversation. And he said, actually, I'm in a really bad place in my life, and I'm on my way to Forest Hills, Queens to rob a store. And so I started talking to him, and I, started, I told him, you don't have, you know, there's much better options out there for you. And I started telling him a little bit of my story because I have a little bit of that kind of background in my life. And, and, and um, you know, we started talking and one thing led to another. And actually, I was able to pray for him that day. It was right here on 150th in Amsterdam. And then I was able to pray with him uh, because he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior right there on the street. He was about to go rob a store in Forest Hills. And it ended up after our conversation, his name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, how great is that? That is incredible. And that should be common for us to see. Okay, uh, but uh, at, after we got done praying for him and leading him to faith, I asked him if he had a Bible and he said no. And so I said, I'm going to come back and give you a Bible. And right then, uh, the guy with me, his name is Andrew, he took out his Bible and he said, sir, 
I want to give you this Bible. This is my Bible. This is the first Bible that I owned after I got saved. And this is the, and so I want to give it to you. And then Clay, he was also with me. He gave him a little bit of money. So he got some, some spiritual blessing and some financial blessing. And then he got a Bible. And so we were talking about this interaction afterwards. I was talking to, to, to Andrew and Clay about it. And Andrew told me, he said, man, before I left this morning to come into the neighborhood, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about bringing, he said, bring your Bible because I have someone to give it to you today. And so when that guy said, I don't have a Bible, I knew I was supposed to give it to him. This is the amazing way that the Holy Spirit works in our lives, okay? That's why we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because he is working on our behalf and he wants to use us to minister to people, amen? Paul tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of us. The same spirit that caused Jesus to go from death to life, the same spirit that caused that big old boulder to be removed from the tomb is the same spirit that lives in you and I. The same Holy Spirit that spoke to Philip and Peter and Paul is living on the inside of you and is living on the inside of me. And so if he did extraordinary miracles through them, what what does that mean for us? That the Holy Spirit can do extraordinary miracles through you as well if you will believe. If he can speak to them, he can speak to you. If he can prophesy through them, he can prophesy through you. If he can give them a word of knowledge, he can give you a word of knowledge, okay? If he can tell them something about someone else that only God could tell them, then he can do the same in your life if you will just believe, amen? Jesus said that we would do even greater things than him. But it boils down to this. Do we believe the word of God or not? It's as simple as that. Do we believe what the word says or not? Okay, it's, black, it's a black and white issue. Do we believe that what Peter and Paul and, and, and all of the disciples and all of the early church, do we believe what they experienced in the book of Acts is for us? Or do we believe that the New Testament is merely a history book, not a pattern for what we can experience as well? You see, you can't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and believe that He can't speak to you today. You can't have both, okay? The Holy Spirit is just as necessary for us today as He was for the early church, okay? We've talked about it and we've prayed about it today. We, we, we've been having all sorts of violence happening in Hamilton Heights. We've had shootings. A friend of mine was walking in the neighborhood a, about a month ago, and he got jumped, okay? And he got taken to the hospital because he had concussion. Uh, he, he had a concussion, and in the hospital, there was another person that had got jumped a bit earlier than, he got, than, than when he got jumped, okay? I don't know about you, but I, we need the Holy Spirit, Okay? Why? Because we have authority in this neighborhood. We don't have to fear because the Holy Spirit is living in us. We have authority to stop these things because there is nothing more powerful than the power of prayer. Okay? This past Friday, I, I joined a group of pastors and people from our neighborhood, and we walked Hamilton Heights, and we prayed at several points in Hamilton Heights, and, and I just felt like as we were walking and stepping uh, uh, God was giving us authority. 
and that we could say, Rosie was with me as well, and, and we don't have to take the violence in this neighborhood. We have the spirit of love living inside of us. Perfect fear casts out all fear. Or perfect love casts out all fear. Let me get that scripture straight. Okay? And so if we have perfect love living inside of us, fear has to flee. Okay? If we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit living inside of us, okay, we have authority over violence. We have authority over sin. We have authority over Satan. It's just a matter of us stepping into it and walking in it. Amen? I believe that we're selling the Holy Spirit short when we think that He can only speak to us one way. Where we say, He can only speak to me through the Word, and anything outside of that, that's not the Holy Spirit. I think we're selling the Holy Spirit short. Jesus even said it was advantageous that He leaves the earth because He was going to send us the Holy Spirit, not just for the disciples, but for all believers that would call upon His name. Amen? You know, the people that I'm closest to, they communicate with me and I communicate with them in multiple different ways. There's not just one way that I communicate with my wife, okay? We communicate both verbally and non-verbally, okay? I know when Priscilla's angry with me and she don't even have to say a word. You know why? Because she, uh, she, she, cre- she has creases right here in her eyebrows and they crease up when she's mad. She can't, she can't get away with it. She can, if she's mad at me, the, the, there, there's those creases right there. It's that nonverbal communication saying, you're in trouble, Steve. Okay? You, you don't have wrinkles. They're very purposeful. When you're angry, you're like, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. Okay? That's what you do. Okay? So I can tell why. Because I've been around her. And why? Because we communicate to each other. Okay? There's a lot of times where I don't say anything. And Priscilla will ask me, are you mad at me? And I'll, I, sometimes, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess. Sometimes I say no, and I really am. She always knows when I'm mad at her, okay? But I'm not saying, I'm not communicating verbally. It's nonverbal communication. But she knows. And so just as we communicate in multiple ways with people that we're closest to, God communicates to us in multiple ways. Now, I will say this, he primarily communicates to us through his word, okay? And everything else that he communicates to us has to line up with the word of God or it's false, okay? That's how we know that it is from God, that it lines up with the word. And so he primarily communicates to us through his word, but he also communicates, according to Romans, through his, he communicates to us through his creation. His creation speaks of who he is to us. He also communicates to us through speaking to us by the Holy Spirit. He'll speak to our heart. We'll just have this feeling like, I feel like God wants me to do this. I feel like God wants me to say this. I feel like God wants me to speak this way. I feel like God wants me to give this offering. I feel like God wants me to say this to that person. We'll, we'll, from time to time, we'll feel that the whole, as we build a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He'll start to speak to us about different things. He might even tell you something about someone else to encourage them, okay? And so he speaks to us in multiple ways. He also communicates to us sometimes by using other people, okay? Myth number five, the Holy Spirit is an experience, okay? Some people oversimplify and boil the Holy Spirit down to an experience during church service or a conference, okay? 
the Holy Spirit to these folks is when they experience goosebumps during worship or during a message that's hitting home. Okay, and that's the that's what the Holy Spirit means for them. The Holy Spirit to them is directly tied to their emotional experience. If I cry or if I have goosebumps or if I have the feels, it's the Holy Spirit. And that's where their relationship with the Holy Spirit ends. Okay, Jesus did not say that it would be advantageous for him to ascend back to heaven so that we could have an emotional experience with the evidence of that being goosebumps and a few tears. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us to have a relationship with us, to be our helper, to come alongside of us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us fulfill His will here on this earth. He is so much more than simply just an experience. He is God who desires to connect with you, okay? He wants to empower us and strengthen us so that we can live a victorious life over sin, okay? If you find yourself constantly falling back into sin, constantly falling back into your past life, you might need to submit more of yourself to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to overcome those things. He wants to reveal the truth of the redemptive work of the cross to you. He wants to convict us of the sin in our lives so that we will not have anything that breaks down our intimacy with the Father and with the Son. Okay? Jesus left... Like, think about this. Jesus left the disciples with this small vision of taking His message to the entire earth. Okay? (laughs) And then on top of that, he gives them this big vision. Take my message, the 11 of you, they, they, they voted someone else in after Judas committed suicide, but the 12 of you, take my message to the ends of the known earth. And then he said this, and by the way, you need to do it without me because I'm going to heaven. Okay, I, I done did my business here. I, I died, I rose again, I discipled you for three and a half years, I imparted everything I knew to you. So now you take this message, take it further than we ever took it during my three and a half years, uh, and, and I want you to do it without me. Okay, how in the world were they supposed to do this? How in the world were they supposed to fulfill this huge, big vision? It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that they could fulfill this big vision that Jesus laid on to them. And that's why he said, I want you to tarry. I want you to wait in the upper room until you experience the Holy Spirit, until you experience the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we can read about in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is the gateway into a supernatural life. And if I could have the worship team come forward. The Holy Spirit empowers you and I to accomplish and do what would be impossible to accomplish and do in our own strength. You see, those 12 disciples as Jesus was ascending, my goodness, Peter just denied Jesus. One of them had just betrayed Jesus into the hands of the authorities and then went to commit suicide. They were all fighting about who would get the seats of honor after, 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 when they got to heaven. You think those people 
in and of their own strength. When, when Jesus got arrested, they all, they all fled because they were scared, they were afraid. You think these 12 guys would be able to fulfill the great commission of taking the gospel to the entire known world in their own strength? Absolutely not. That is why the Holy Spirit is so vital. Because He, not it, He empowers you and I to do things that we simply could not do in our own strength. But so many people never tap into that power. Maybe because they're confused about the whole idea of the Holy Spirit. Maybe they were raised, like I said earlier, in a tradition where they made the Holy Spirit out to be something that the Bible never says the Holy Spirit is. And because of that, so many believers are living under what they could live in, under their privileges. That they can't overcome sin. They don't have the courage to share their faith. They don't have the courage to lay hands on the sick. They don't have authority. And the Holy Spirit wants to impart all of those things to us, church. He wants us to be a powerful church. He doesn't want us to be a weak church. He doesn't want us to be a scared church. See, before the Holy Spirit, the 120 followers of Jesus, they were all up in, in one room, in the upper room. After the Holy Spirit, man, they were out in the streets. They were out telling people about Jesus. They were getting in prison, getting out of, out of prison, preaching, getting back in prison. They weren't scared of anything because the Holy Spirit was empowering them on the inside. So as we close today, what I would like for you to take away from this message is this. The Holy Spirit wants to have a personal relationship with you. The Holy Spirit wants to have a connection with you. He was sent by the Father and Jesus to teach us, guide us, convict us, and connect with us. He wants to reveal things to us that will set us free and draw us closer to God. You see, we can't have freedom by simply not doing that thing that we're addicted to. We have to be filled with something that's more powerful than the draw to that sin. And that is the Holy Spirit. As we draw closer to God, we will desire those things that have us bound less and less and less. And it's that power of the Holy Spirit that gives us that strength day after day after day after day to live that overcoming life. He wants to give us power so that we can walk in victory over sin, over shame, over depression, over darkness, over sickness, over fear, over insecurity. Whatever it is you're dealing with, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you today. He wants you to walk in confidence as a son or daughter of the Most High God. He wants you to walk in courage. He wants us to walk free of fear. So today, I, I, I want you to start developing, if you're not already, I want you to start developing that relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want you to start reading scriptures on the Holy Spirit. I want you to start 
praying and, and talking to the Holy Spirit. Okay? And as the weeks go by, we're going to go deeper into the things of the Spirit. We're going to talk about specifics, and so I want to encourage you to keep coming. This is an important, important series. And I want you to have a balanced biblical view of the Spirit so that you can walk in the fullness of what God has for you. Amen? Let's pray.